everybody. Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast, Season 4, Episode 23. Today, we're actually going to be talking about an awesome book that Chris and I have read, and it is by Ron Deal, and it's called Preparing to Blend, and that's coming up right now. Thank you so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. What is up? Hey, Mrs. Lindstrom, soaking up the rays. Hope uh, you're doing well. I'm sure you are. She's sure. in Florida. She's in Florida, where we are back in the frozen tundra of Michigan. We just got like 411 inches of snow this week. At least that's what it felt like. Two to four. Yeah, but it's cold this week, though, is the problem. I think that's what the problem is. It it's is like, I took the garbage out this morning and it was like negative one degree actual. Okay. Uh, it's raining, she says. Hey, it would take rain over all this snow, okay, all day long. All right, so this today, what we want to talk about is something, uh, you know, I've had an opportunity now to, to to have Ron Deal actually go through this book twice now. Chris and I went to a conference last year, and if you missed that episode, um, we did it back in October of 2021. And so uh, today I actually was able to get back on another Zoom call with another group of like 42, 43 people. And we went through this book again, and it was really pretty awesome. So there's some really key things. So one of the biggest things, and the reason why we're such an advocate for this, is that one of the biggest things that Christy and I wish that we knew was a lot of these things we know now that we had to learn the hard way. We wish we would have known them before we blended. So this whole preparing to blend thing is just, it's near and dear to our hearts. It's something that's super special to us because there's so many things we could have done differently and would you know the blending process would have been a lot easier and a lot more fruitful for our family. So, before we dive in, my love, do you do anything you want to say or talk about? No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess the preparing to blend is a huge thing, and like Josh said, the reason why we wish we would have known a lot of that now is because it's not so much for us; it's for the kids. So the blending goes a lot easier if you know what to ask or know what to look for when you're getting ready. We've said it before, like you're in a new relationship. You guys are in love. You guys know that you want to get married and be married, but do your kids. Mm. And we're not saying like, Oh, all your kids have to put a blessing on your marriage because an eight year old or a six year old is not going to necessarily do that if they want their mommy and daddy to get back together. Mm. But you got it can help strengthen your marriage to make sure you guys are rock solid. But it helps the kids transition easier and does less emotional and psychological damage to them if you can do it in the most healthy way possible. You know, so I think it's super important to I would like he said, I wish we would have known some of this stuff uh, just like a year or two. I think two years ago is when I read the Smart Step Families book and. I'm reading through it and I'm like, well, that would have been nice to know like 10 years ago, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's funny. So, uh, you know, we've really had an opportunity to really kind of get get to know Ron Deal a little bit and about all the work that he's been putting in in blended families over the last like 30 years. And so this is his newest book. It's called Preparing to Blend. 
And this right here to me, you know, I, I don't want to speak for Christy, but to me, this is probably one of the most important things. So, and we talk about people that have a lot of health issues and we know a lot of times, you know, the world talks about, you know, what's the ways that we can help Can you know, can we come up with the new medicines and, you know, what are the, all these ways that we can help people that are sick, but ultimately the best way to help somebody that's sick is to help them in the prevention mode before it ever began. So when we talk about, you know, helping with all these blended family issues, it's really talking about what's the best way to do that is really to talk about the early stages before you blend. And I know that's a lot of times easier said than done because one of the struggles in the blended family industry, you know, per se in the, in the, the teaching industry of it, helping people is that, you know, we're not hand raisers. We're not people that are saying, Hey, you know what? We, you know, we're getting ready to blend a family and we need some help. And so, you know, making more awareness around saying it's important that we get to know a little bit more about the stuff we don't know anything about, uh, the better off families will be. And, you know, our goal for us is to make sure that our kids don't grow up and have blended families. I mean, that's our goal, right? So we want to make sure that we do the best we can now. And so that's why we really want to talk about preparing to blend and about how important it is. So today's is three things you need to know before you blend. And that's what we're going to be jumping into today. All right. Number one, number one, first thing is you need to predict common issues. And I listed off a bunch of different things. And through this class that, you know, went through with Ron today, uh, there was a bunch of different common issues that we really wouldn't consider common. Uh, making marriage a priority. I'm going to list a few of them and then we can talk about them. But uh, making your marriage a priority, that's a hard one. Alone time with your bio kids. That was something Christy and I did not do. That's very, very important. Uh, and parenting styles. Those are three major things about predicting common issues. Those are common that going into a blended family, you wouldn't think are common. Well, and we've talked about this before. Like a lot of times people will think, I know that we thought it, like we've been married before. Uh, and we got a divorce. We're just getting remarried and we're going to be a family and things are, we can handle things just the same as we would have as if we were a nuclear family. And I think a lot of times why a lot of blended families aren't hand raisers is because they just think I already know how to do this. I yeah. divorced the problem and I already know how to do it. And so we don't think about or realize how much goes into a blended family, like making your marriage a priority is going to be harder than a nuclear family because there is divisions already. Uh, maybe that's not the right word. If you look at that as a positive thing, but you guys are already divided. Like I'm coming into the relationship with my kids. He's coming into the relationship with his kids, making our marriage a priority. Part of that is agreeing on what the discipline is going to be for our kids. Like our marriage is going to come first. We can't let you know, the divisions divide us because mm -hmm. that's what Satan would want to do is to have another divorce in the picture. So we have to make sure that we both agree divorce is not an option. This is going to be hard. If my kids don't like you, how are we going to handle that? Or if they don't agree with something that you're going to do, or how are you going to hear me out? Mm -hmm. Like talking about those things and then spending the alone time with the bio kids to help bridge that gap for the relationship is so, so, so important. And being able to predict those common issues, they're common in blended families, but they're not, we can't predict them if we don't think about them. We just yeah. think we're going to come into the relationship and we're going to be just like the nuclear family because we think that. And that's weird because me even coming from a, a 
massive blended family. Like my mom had been, I had, you know, a stepdad that raised me, but then my dad went through marriage, 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 marriage. I mean, he was married five times and I knew being a child of a blended family, like what goes into that and how I felt as the child. Mm -hmm. But I guess I never thought of it from the parents point of view or my dad's or my mom's. So then when him and I got together, it's just like, yeah, we're getting married. And those are, now we're a family and your kids are my stepkids and everything's going to be fine. We don't realize, we don't know what we don't know. And I know he doesn't like that term, but we really it's don't. True, we, we don't know what to ask. That's why it's so important to get the word out and to build a community surrounding uh, blended families, especially in the Christian community, because we need to be able to put God at the center of our marriage and God wants your marriage to be first because the kids, our job is to get them to raise up and move out. And then it still leaves us. So it doesn't do anybody any good for us to be divided uh, with the kids at home. Yeah. So today during this call, uh, Ron at the very end said, you know, Hey, you know, we'll do a Q and a time. And one guy gets on and says, you know, uh, you know, I'm a pastor of a pretty large church. And so, you know, I have a lot of these blended families and they really come to me after the fact. And he's like, you know, so what is it that, you know, I can do, you know, he goes, I've approached people before and said, Hey, you know what, you know, maybe we could, you know, do some counseling now. And they're like, why we're fine. Everything's fine until it's not fine. And he goes, I see it time and time again. And he says to Ron, he goes, what can we do? And Ron says, all you can do is try to bring awareness as a whole, as a church, as a body. And that's what Christy's saying as a community, like we just need to bring more awareness to this. So the, the common issues, which are not as common as what people think they are, are more predictable and say, oh, wait a minute. You mean to tell me all blended families struggle with these things? Yeah, they do. You know, to one thing or the other, it's all basically the same core types of things. You know, parenting styles are a major issue. You're coming from something with your kids within another form of a relationship, and you've already established a certain type of parenting role. And now you come into a brand new family system, and that parenting may look completely, I shouldn't say it may look different. It almost always looks very different. And that is a common issue. But how can we predict that? You know, when we come into it, Christy and I have talked about it before on our show many times about, you know, disciplining children and stuff. And she's like, she would come home and I'd be like, yeah, I had to stand your kids in the corner for like 20 minutes today. And she's like, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't approve of that. You know, and it's like, OK, we never even discussed these things, but we didn't know that we needed to discuss some of these really important things uh, in advance. And so when we can get to a, a, a spot to understand that these are common issues, then we can get to a point to where we can predict these common issues. Mm -hmm. making sure that your marriage is first. You know, that was something that took us a while to figure out. But once we did, it made a huge, huge difference. Yeah, and putting the marriage first also means, like, he understands he was at home with my kids, but knowing, and he, we did, he did a pretty good job with this, like, knowing and respecting the fact that those, my kids were not his kids. So yeah, he still had to make sure that he's, he's at home with them, like teaching them respect and what it is to be a good human being. But then also saying, Hey, you know, discussing with me, like, this is what I'm, what's happening. And this is how I feel should happen. But then allowing me to have a say in it because it's just, a, it's like a balancing act Sure. because those aren't his kids, you know? So it's like, if they had went to their dad and then told their dad, hey, you know, Big Josh is being mean to me, I would get a call from their dad saying, hey, you know, the boys say that he's mean to them. And But what a child thinks is mean can be different 
you know, mm-hmm. then what? He wasn't beating them, you know, and there could be a lot worse things that's happening than him being like, I'm not going to take, you know, this, your mouth or this type of thing. So you need to go stand in a corner, but still having that discussion and saying, okay, I'm the one that's at home. Now he could have been selfish saying I'm the one that's at home with them. So I'm going to see to them how I deem fit. And I know some relationships, it's like that. And then I'm like, those are my kids. And then he might be like, okay, well, then I won't watch them. Yeah. You can send them somewhere else. And then that starts a spiral right there of division. That's division hardcore. And we need to remember that our marriage is the priority. And we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, he respects the fact that those are my kids. He loves me. And he wants to also respect me in the facet of, Okay, I I would like it if you would rather do this. I mean, I would rather you do this. Yeah. And you know, when he respects that and then tries to carry it out, but then I also have to respect the fact that he's the one that's having to carry it out because I'm not there when he's doing it. So I'll sit down talking to my kids and mm. explaining to my kids and all of those things. That is all of that is making your marriage a priority and remembering you guys are on the same team. Yeah, you having the desire to want to be more comforting and certain and understanding is because we focus on our marriage and build mm-hmm. that trust and saying, instead of playing the game, well, you do it. So I'm doing it or you're not doing it. So I'm not doing it. And that's an easy thing to slip into. Yeah. Right. Because our ego gets the best of us. We don't want to be taken advantage of. And we look at our children as property. Those are mine. Those mm-hmm. children are mine. And those are a direct extension of me. Especially so, moms. So if you're doing something that I don't see as appropriate to my child, whether it's looking at them wrong, talking to them wrong or anything else, it's now the way that I feel ab- that you feel about me. And so that's where like focusing on the marriage is a common issue. It is absolutely so common. And we, we for, like Christy said in the beginning, we think that we divorced the problem. We're away from the problem now when we got rid of our ex. And it's just not the truth because we're humans. And so we have to be able to predict these common issues coming up so we know how to solve them and take care of them. So a couple of those common issues, I'll repeat them again, is making your marriage priority, alone time with your bio kids, super important, and understanding your parenting styles. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number Two, number two, is you need to be able to define define your future expectations. You know, and a few of those things are, you know, your kids probably aren't going to be happy with your decision, whether you like it or not, or your family has grown exponentially. Whether you like it or not, that ex of your spouses you don't like, well, they're part of your family unit now. And, um, you know, and unfortunately, whether we like it or not, it takes five to seven years to blend. I mean, these are some of the expectations that we don't know going into it that we have to learn how to define them appropriately and apply them to our family. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, uh, in blended families, you know, us just being part of some of the groups that I see on Facebook, I think a lot of the problem is a lot of people are just broken and they don't take a purse, a lot of responsibility in their own personal growth and they take things personally and we have to remember that they're still kids so just because a lot of the time it's not that the kids are angry at you as a step parent they're angry because they want their parents together and they're angry because they don't understand why their parents couldn't work it out and they don't understand. And then there may be a little doubt of, you know, would they ever leave me or this new person? That means if my mom divorced my dad, she definitely could divorce him. And so they're dealing with a lot of uncertainties and feelings that they don't know how 
to manage. And that's where we have to come in and help them. Even the step parent has a job in talking to, you know, I did, I messed up a couple times with Josh's kids because they would want to bring up like, oh, isn't that where you and mom used to live? And I'd be like, I don't need to hear about, you know, I would think that they were doing it on the purpose. They were nine. And even if they were doing it on purpose, they're nine. <laughs> like it, it doesn't matter. You know, I just was so angry at their mom because their mom sucked so bad as a mom <laughs> that I'm like, they shouldn't even want to talk about her, you know, and, but that's all making it about me again. Mm. And so the future expectations that we have in our relationships is a lot of what Ron Deal talks about too, is we think, okay, if I'll be patient a year. You know, and a lot of us think we're going to be married and everything's going to be great. 90 days. Okay. But then if we're pushing ourselves, we're like, okay, I'll give it a year. And on average, Ron's been in this field for a long, long time. He's worked with a lot, a lot, a lot of blended families. It takes five to seven years. And then our expectations are human and being like, okay, it's been seven years. I mean, we should be good now. We should never have a problem again. You think regular nuclear marriages never argue again it's just it's we get caught up in the shoulds and josh talks about that a lot but it's like we should be good we should be here it's like anything else in life but with blending it's like a magnifying glass on the family and rather than just regular looking at the family through a mirror you know and it's like you have to have a lot more patience you have to have a lot more understanding Mm. you have to have personal development and also personal growth in your marriage to be able to understand what your future expectations are and be honest with yourself and your spouse Mm -hmm. like i think we should be farther along well we're not yeah. So, and, and what can we do about that? Or what can't we do about it? Right. Exactly. I think it comes down to control issues too. Cause I think a lot of times we think we're going to get into this brand new relationship and it's like, we're going to get, we're going to be able to control all these aspects now, right? We're on fire. We love each other. Like we're going to be able to control all what the children do. And I don't mean in a, in a negative sense. I mean, in a positive sense, right? This is going to be a positive environment and everybody's going to love each other. And in the beginning, you get a little bit of that, a whole newlywed thing and things are seem to be fine, right? It's all new, right? The kids are new and you know, they have a new room and you know, and a little the bit honeymoon of honeymoon phase. Yeah. And then the honeymoon phase is over. And all of a sudden now one kid is pushing another kid down. We know we had that happen and we're like, Oh crap. Like, what do we do with this? We don't know what to do with this. We didn't expect this. We don't know how to handle this. All we thinking is one parent's like your kid better never do that to my kid again. And you're like, I don't want to protect my kid. My kid's hurt. And you know, and so we get into all these. Now we don't know how to understand or define these expectations because we had no clue what was going on. And so, you know, we have all of these weird, crazy expectations because we think we could control all of it. And the best expectation we can have is this is just going to take time for everybody. And more than likely, it's going to take more time for the kids than it is for us as adults. Mm-hmm. And where's our patience going to be? We have to have an expectation of that. Cece says, that is difficult to get used to. The boys will bring up the past before I was there, and it hurts a little bit. You're right, though. They don't do it to be hurtful. And sometimes they do, though, Stacey. And I think that was powerful what Christy said. And sometimes they do, but we have to remember who we are. Oh, that was a little big outside of the screen. <laughs> Anyway, so, I mean, I think it's just really, really important that we understand who we are and that we remain to be the the parent in the situation, you know, whether we like it or not. Sometimes it's hard. We have to 
We have to eat the bullet a little. Yeah, because they're not our kid. And you're like, I will punch you in the face. Punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) But we can't. We can't. Because they're hurting and they're still working through those emotions and things like that. And a little bit a little bit of it is jealousy on our behalf. I know. Like, I don't want to think about him. But he should only remember the times with me. You know? Like <laughs> I don't school I you know, we we kind of fantasize about before he got with me, he was miserable every day of his life. <laughs> he never laughed, never had a good time. I didn't. Never was happy. No, it wasn't ever. You know, so then when the kids bring up, oh, remember this one fun time, you know, and you're just like, you never had fun. (laughs) You know, that's what you want to do. So, yeah. Smoosh that. Yeah. Smoosh that happy moment. No. Yeah. She's like, is boarding school an option? Right. That that is funny. And that's, that's, I mean, if we're going to be honest with our feelings, like that is how we actually grow and heal and work through our feelings is when we're honest. Yeah. It's when people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you ever would think that. I never thought that. Lies. <laughs> that is a lie. Lies. You know, and you it's like about it. <laughs> you've never been honest with yourself. You're not being honest with yourself and you're not being honest with others. And deep down, we do think that way. You know, when we're with someone, we, we really hope like, you're the happiest that you've ever been, you know, and when, and it's an insecurity thing. And as long that you're strengthening your marriage, those things will gradually go farther and farther and farther away, but you have to be honest about them and we can joke about them. You know, I'll still say like, if he brings some, we've been together for 11 years and his, him and his ex-wife total, like dating, married, everything was five. So it's like, it's just a part of his life. But occasionally those things still get brought up. Oh, do you remember this, dad, when we did this, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And I'm like, I don't want to hear about your life before me, (laughs) you know? And I still will say that. And he'll laugh and he knows that I'm kidding, but I'm not. (laughs) And all of those things. And we can just joke about it. And and we half giggle about it. We don't giggle too hard because we don't want to be stabbed Mm -hmm. with anything. Our pastor this weekend uh, said something. He goes, we're a church. Uh, we're come, you come as you are, but not stay as you are. And I think it's so important. Yeah. I think it's so important that we remember that as a whole of our whole life of every, every aspect of our life, whether it's church, whether it's our personal development, whether it's our family, which it all ties together. So, you know, yeah, we're coming to this family, right? This new family that we're, we're joining, we're coming as we are, but the goal is not to stay as we are is to continuously grow and move forward. So Christy's like, we should be able to be open and honest with the way that our feelings are with stuff. But the goal isn't to stay there. Right. Right. So it isn't like I'm complaining today and then in 11 years, I'm going to be complaining about the same thing. Right. That's not the goal. The goal is to move beyond those things. Like she can share the way that she feels, you know, about my ex. Her feelings have changed. I guarantee you. I know they have. Yeah. And it's not that she wants to go and hang out with her and be buddy buddies with her, but she's gotten more peace about it because she's personally grown beyond it in her own life. And so we can have these types of discussions where early on we couldn't even have discussions about certain things. It just was a no fly zone. And so, you know, and that's the way it has to be. We have to be able to grow beyond these things. And that's how like our expectations get to be met or achieved in a healthy way as we say, okay, all right, this sucks right now. And we can talk about how bad it sucks, but we're not going to stay here. And we're just going to allow things to happen the way that they happen. And we're going to continuously pray through them and work through them in a healthy way manner and that way we can define our future expectations in a healthy way yeah like are we gonna you have to start asking yourself those questions like 
are we gonna am i gonna want to be complaining about this and letting this upset me like five years from now like it's it doesn't like yes it upsets me right now but am i gonna want to be complaining about the same things and upset about the same things five years from now i should have bigger things that i'm trying to work on and god being one of those things like wake up expectantly like where is he going to be using me today who can i witness to today not focusing on what i'm upset about from a moment to moment basis and that's typically what the world does it tries to distract you with all sorts of things to make you upset and sometimes i do feel like you know the x is coming in the picture is god doing that to grow you as a person i know josh's ex grew me as a person because i used to like want to fight her (laughs) and the old me would have and it helped me a lot like be the bigger person you know and realize that I don't need to solve things with violence and the people that usually do solve things with violence are usually the emotionally immature people. Um, the, I want to say on un- intellectual people, but we'll just say stupid people, the stupid people. And I was one of those people. Like I didn't want to talk about things and I didn't want to hear people's excuses and I didn't want to, I like, I don't even want to hear you speak anymore, but that is selfish behavior. When you get like that, it's like, no, I don't need to listen to you speak and you're not going to speak anymore. And that is like very immature. It's very, very immature. The person's going to feel what they're going to feel. Like it doesn't matter. You beating them up is not going to change the way that they feel about certain things. And you don't have to let it get you to the point that you're lashing out. No, do I still lose my cool sometimes specifically about his ex? No. Um, but in general, I really don't. I used to lose my cool a lot, like when a lot, I mean, probably once a day and now it'd probably be once a year that I lose my cool. And it's just because I've grown as a person. So when you're growing together in marriage, you have to grow as a person too, as an individual too. And you have to be the bigger person sometimes, even in your marriage, like your spouse may be lacking sleep or hungry, or had a really bad day at work, or maybe they're the stay-at-home parent and they've had a hard day with the kids, and having a hard day with the stepkids is different than having a hard day with your biological kids. And we have to allow them to have some grace. And we always think, I think naturally when you get in a blended family, if your spouse says something about your kid inside your your core you instantly i mean without even thinking about it are on the defense for your kids and the sooner that you guys can talk about those expectations and coming to common ground with your marriage the better with that both of you recognize that that's going to be something that you do automatically naturally is go to the defense of your kids but to that you're going to try to take a step back take a breath for a minute and say okay if they weren't my child and they did this, how would I feel and how should I react to it? And what could be a beneficial way maybe to help them grow or to punish them in a way that would be healthy so they learn from it? And those are things that you have to do in a blended family because you can get very heated and very emotional very quickly, especially because inside the home, which is supposed to be the safest place for any human being, like you're supposed to be able to go to a safe place 
but inside your own home, you can feel like you have enemies if you allow yourself to fester in that with having a stepkid and a spouse that's defending their kids all the time and all of that. So to have those common expectations, to get all those out of the way and continue communication, 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 that's what's going to help with that. Yeah, and you have to be careful you don't do something that's going to be, you can't take back. Correct. That could be, that could cause damage forever, you know, and it's real easy to do that, especially when you're living in this, you know, this feels like a, an Instapot, you know, pressure cooker at times and you can't get away from it. You know, where are you going to escape to? You know, a lot of times I know it's easy to think, I just want to take my kids and myself and just go away for a while when there's no value in that. You know, it's just, we have to have healthy expectations of how this works. And if we go into it with the wrong expectations, we end up feeling that way a lot. So understand that we have to define our future expectations in a healthy way. All right. Number three, number three is we need to create some practical solutions. And we mean by practical solutions are solutions that actually can work within your family. And so here's a couple of things as, as way of example is compromise is a must, not a desire in blended families. I've heard other marriage coaches say that compromise isn't necessary. You don't need to compromise because you're compromising yourself. And that's just an absolute wrong take on that. It's not about compromising yourself. It's about understanding you're blending together and there's got to be some agreements that need to have be had. And overly communicating all your decisions with your spouse may not be something that you're used to doing. Maybe you're a leader at your job and you're used to making the decisions and not discussing the decisions. And then when you come home now, you have to say, oh, I have to discuss my decisions that I'm going to make with my children, with my spouse. You do. And you have to understand the power in that. Uh, family meetings, chore chart, these are just some of the examples of what practical solutions a blended family needs. Yeah, discussing the stuff with a spouse, that's really never made sense to me, the people that don't want to do that. Only because I'll use Josh's analogy, for example. If you're a leader, if you're a true good leader at work, and you're just making all these decisions and you're not communicating with your team about them at all. And then you're getting upset because your team isn't following or, you know, the expectations or the culture of the company, but you haven't communicated them properly. How, how does that going to work? And you should, that should make sense to you if you're a good leader. So why would that work at home? Like coming home and not communicating with your spouse about decisions, about things with your kids, because it does affect the household as a whole just like the company as a whole. And it's like, it doesn't make sense to me when people are like, I don't need to tell, I don't need to tell my spouse that because that was my kids, you know? I think though, like a lot of times people come home and they're like, I'm the leader. I'll discuss my decisions with my people, but I make the decision. And oh, I think yeah. it's a slight twist when you're inside of a marriage and that's a blended family. That's still being a bad leader though and not a good leader. And, I agree. and that's what I was going to say, right? <laughs> so a good leader takes positive feedback from their team and says, yeah. Let's make the best decision that works best for everybody, not that I get to make the decision. And I think that's why it's so important. That's a practical solution. And we talk about practicality. These aren't just theories. These are things that have to be done. Like you can't have a, a, a functioning, a high level functioning or a happy family if you're not discussing true decision making processes with your spouse on all levels. It just doesn't work. And I, I would beg to have a good example of somebody that says that it does because it just does not work. I can't, we can't make healthy decisions for our family unit as a whole if I don't get to discuss what happens with Christie's children and vice versa. Like it just doesn't work that way. So we have to get into a position to where we are making good decisions uh, in a practical, with practical solutions. Yeah. And like talking it out because we, one person doesn't know everything or doesn't always see the 
big picture of things. Mm -hmm. So let's say you already have made a decision in your head for your kids. Coming home and talking to your spouse about it, a lot of times the spouse will say, oh, yeah, I do agree with that decision. Or they'll say, oh, did you think about it from this perspective, though? Or did you think about this? And they can bring a different perspective to it. You know, the benefit of being in a blended family is that you have a close confidant that can give you an outsider's perspective of maybe where you're enabling, coddling, Hmm. codependent, you know, on your kids that you can trust you know, and you know the person intimately knows your family because they're your spouse and you live together. And that can be a huge benefit to actually help your kids and you grow as people and your kids to become better human mm. beings because it's not two bio parents that's just going to look at them with rose-colored glasses because yeah. a lot of times bio parents we do look at our we give our kids unconditional love and we give them too much grace sometimes and we don't necessarily punish them like we should or punish them at all and just because we're tired and we don't feel like dealing with that and uh, that's a huge benefit to being a blended family because a step parent can come in and be like no we're not going to let them get away with that they've gotten away with it three times a loving perspective yes and so it helps no I agree I think like we started doing kind of a family meeting thing and I think that's a really strong practical solution within blended families and what, it, what worked really well with us is her and I would discuss these things before, and then we would have the family meeting. And so it kind of encompassed a lot of what we're talking about. And so we were able to really get to be on the same page first. And then we go out into a family meeting, and then it's so easy and effortless to carry it all out because we're not like trying to like figure each other out as we're doing it. Like, okay, are you pulling a chess move on me right now? Are you trying to gain some advantage in this whole situation of like what we're trying to talk about? No, all that's out the window because... We're on the same team. Like Christy says all the time, we're a marriage and we're on the same team and practical solutions. We're just looking for things that caught, you know, we're not looking at the problem. We're just looking for solutions. And I think it's a, it's, it's something that's, it's more needed in blended families that we, we just don't see enough of it. Well, and what I see a lot too, like in the groups that we're part of and stuff is that the step parents don't view their stepkids as on the same team as them. And it's like, yeah, they're a part of your family. Like you married their, their parent and that is an extension of the person that you love, whether you feel like you love them or not. And it's like, they just want to sit and complain. They're kids, they're kids. And they just want to be like, I'm not being involved or I'm not, you know, I saw a post the other day where she shared her stepkids post on Facebook and he had gotten a tattoo, like a text message. No, so so the stepchild posted on his fa- Facebook page oh, oh, gotcha. that he had gotten a tattoo and it said humble across it, right? And she screenshot that and then posted it in one of these groups, not with his name or anything, just the picture. And she was like, my stepson, and he's he must be in college. So he's like, she, he's away at school, she said. So he, I'm assuming he's like 19, 20, whatever. He reached out to us and asked us for money for food and we gave it to him. And then he's posting this picture on social media. He apparently didn't need food. He went and got a tattoo, you know, and said, and I'm like, why are you posting that on social media? Number one, that's all kids. That is all kids, whether you're in a blended family or not, they are not 
mature enough to handle their money wisely. They want to go out and get a tattoo. They're going to go get a tattoo. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to eat for five days. I need to ask my parents for money for food. And it's like, and then people were commenting on it. They're being like, oh, if a person was humble, they wouldn't need to get it tattooed on their forearm. And it started going through all this crap. And I'm like, we're talking about a child. I mean, no value in any of that. No. I mean, they're 19. I understand that. But who says 19-year-olds make smart decisions for their life? I know I didn't. Right. So it's like, how old are you? Yeah. I mean, did the dad, is the dad 50 and he married a 20-year-old? I mean, did he marry a youngster? I mean, and you guys are on the same, like, mental playing field? I don't know. But you, none of that makes sense. People don't really look at the big picture or think outside of themselves for two minutes to think, if this was my kid, they would probably do the same thing. All kids do this. This isn't an abnormal behavior because it's a stepchild, you know, and it's just family is family and your stepkids are on the same team as you and they can be giving you a hard time. They can be throwing little temper tantrums in their own way, but adults are adult temper tantrums. And you just have to remember that you guys are on the same team and it starts with you and your spouse, Mm -hmm. but don't treat their kids differently. Because if you're a Christian, too, above and beyond, God wouldn't want that for you to treat them like that. Because you need to be a testimony for them and show them how a Christian should act. So the full transparency of things, and I, this really got me, this really got my brain working when you said it about this whole post thing, right? And I okay. just want to, you know, we talk about practical solutions. So we kind of naturally did something over the years that maybe, you know, it's we have talked about it, but it's was never was never a difficult decision on our behalf. So something that we decided years ago is that our kids could work during going to school, but they couldn't work while they went to school. Example, our kids could work in the summers when they had school off, but they couldn't work when they were in high school, when they were in class, right? During the class time of school year. And we wanted them to be able to focus on school. You know, school's hard enough at times, right? So we wanted to work for the rest of your life. And you work for the rest of your life. So in return, we let them make the money. They get to keep the money. They get to do whatever they want with their money, right? And we pay their auto insurance and, you know, we pay their cell phone and, you know, we pay these things, right? And we don't complain about it. It's something we decided we wanted to do. Yeah. And we decided that it's something that we would do until our children move out. Are married or... Right, no. until they move out, right? Yeah. So it's something that we made a decision. Now, do we pay for every single thing? No. Our kids want to go out to eat or something and they want to yeah. go. They have their own money to do that stuff, they don't right? Have. So the whole, like tattoo thing and like send me some money like i think in my opinion and i am fully going into an area that i know nothing about their situation okay i'm right. just I'm speculating hardcore right now but i'm thinking to myself it's maybe you haven't had enough healthy conversations about the money and what the things that your kid wants and you know like i think that's valid we know like we know if our kids want to go get a tattoo like we know in advance we already we have discussions with them about stuff like that and i feel like a lot of times parents they kind of seclude themselves and i would say as a step parent maybe i want to stay away from that stuff because i don't agree with it so i don't want to be part of those decisions so we kind of avoid it at all costs and now when it comes up and it's happening the kid's not coming to us because they're just going to do it because that's what kids do Right. And now we get upset because it didn't happen the way that we thought that it should. And I think with all of that stuff, that kind of almost goes back to the weird expectations, you know, not defining the good, healthy expectations. But 
anyway, I think, you know, we look at everything as a problem instead of saying, what's the solution in Correct. all of this? And and instead, we go to social media and we complain and we moan and groan. Because we get validation. Yeah, we and do. And we're selfish. Yeah, make me feel good yep. because I'm mad about this. Yeah, you go, girl. Validate me. Majority of the time. Sometimes you get guys in there, they're playing the double. Very dip. rarely. You double dutch in there. No, because guys, they'll, they'll complain to themselves or they'll complain to their buddy at work. Or their mistress. Oh, my goodness. You're so funny. But it's true, though. I mean, it's what it's how it is. And we, we vent the wrong things. And so instead of looking for solutions and saying, okay, why did my kid do this? Why did this child do this? Instead, we're like, I'm just going to be mad about it. And that just creates an unhealthiness within your marriage. And what's that saying? And within your family. About your teammate. With you. it, Does your spouse know that you posted on social media about their child? Mm. You know, and you're getting like... Whether you think so or not, and I wish I could remember the whole story because I would talk about it, but you have to guard your mind. And it also, when you play around with stuff like that, it starts to cause a division in your own mind subconsciously that you don't even realize because you're allowing yourself to talk about your spouse's kid, which means more than likely you didn't talk to your spouse about it and all this stuff, which is a secret you know, from your spouse. And then you're thinking in your head, like, oh, it's like breaking a promise against yourself. I think what the story was, was that, uh, there is a couple, you know, that had a newly born baby and, um, they, they talked about the person, like you agreed that you and your, you know, significant other, were going to take turns alternating nights, getting up the baby. So each of you could get a night's sleep on and off. And then it comes up to where it's your night to get up with the baby, but you lay there and lay there and lay there pretending that you're sleeping, even yeah. though that you're awake, knowing that if you pretend there long enough that your spouse will eventually wake up and rather than wake you up, they'll just get up and do it. When you are all fully awake, you are aware of what's going on and you allow them to do that. That starts setting up a psychological division in your own mind against your spouse. And then it's going to become easier and easier and easier for you to lie to your spouse. And, and it starts with small things like that, not completely be honest, open and trustworthy with your end of the bargain in your marriage, whether your spouse knows it at first or not, you know it. And they talked about this whole like study about how that starts setting up divisions in your own mind mm -hmm. against the people that are in your life. And before you know it, you're compromising and you're making excuses like I'm tired. I'm the one that works the most. All this stuff. You're giving yourself all these excuses to be a less than excellent person that God has called you to be. And it just starts from there. It gets worse and worse and worse for yourself. Because not everyone knows the little lies or the little things that you aren't living up to that you give yourself excuses in your brain that it's okay that you do. And it's just the small compromises. So slippery slopes. That's yeah. right. And so you have to make sure that you are a person of excellence. And that's what that caused me to like, how would my, how would he feel if he found out I posted a picture of, you know, one of his kids' forearm or, you know, I took a picture of, you know, Jordan mm. has tattoos. I took a picture of one of Jordan's tattoos and posted it on a, on a social media page and was basically getting people to validate my feelings about why she did that. And all. how would that make him feel? You know, he, he wouldn't trust me as much as anymore. He kind of would be like, how could you betray me like that? How could you hurt me like that? And then that causes so I, I don't understand that. 
I think part of the problem though, and I think we can always bring it back to this, and it's so easy to go on a tangent about this stuff. I think a lot of it is, is we, we people get in positions where they feel like they're being taken advantage of, or they yeah. feel like, you know, they're being cheated and, you know, it's uh, like, it's unfair. And all of that, I believe results back to, because you're not doing something in your life necessary for personal development of some format. You're not trying to grow internally as a person. So you feel insecure in these situations, which makes you live in fear. And so, you know, when you lay in bed and you're waiting for your spouse to get up, you just think, oh my gosh, I deserve to lay here. Instead of thinking to yourself, you know mm -hmm. what? My spouse probably feels the same way and it's my turn. Mm -hmm. And we don't think that way. We yep. think we think selfishly. We don't think about the other person or our spouse. We think about the things we're being cheated on. And a lot of that stuff comes from because we're not healthy internally. And so we're living it out in our, in our lives. And then next thing you know, we're just a finger pointer about everything. Or we're making emotional decisions. Like 15 years decisions. from now, when that kid is like 35 years old or 40 years old and they're giving you grandbabies and you guys are sitting around, how are you going to feel? Like, what if it came out? Like, oh, yeah, when you were 19, I posted a picture of you on social media and was like bashing you and allowing strangers to bash you. It's like, no, we don't think about those things before we do them. We just re we try to validate ourselves, gives ourselves excuses and react to our mm -hmm. emotional anger at the time and it's like it's immature it's immaturity it is at the highest level especially with social media it has caused oh, us ugly. to just yeah take a massive massive left turn i mean the devil basically is just sitting back right now with his feet up on the desk drinking some coffee eating some popcorn and watching us destroy our own lives because we all just do a pretty good job on our own. At yeah, this it becomes an ego booster is all it yeah. is. We can be very selfish with it. I mean, social media can be very valuable for a lot of, lot of reasons, but ultimately the sin kicks in and yeah, we, we become very selfish with it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a real powerful episode, you know, and the reason why is because we have to look at the things we can do beforehand. Maybe you are already in a blended family. You can start doing these things now. It's never too late. I mean, the blending process takes time. And so, you know, we find that we hope that you found some value as a way to review, you know, the three things, you know, that you need to do before you blend. One, predict common issues. Number two, define future expectations. And number three, create practical solutions. We hope you found some value in this. We hope, uh, you know, if you have, please hit the share button. It does help us out. And uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we end today? Be solution driven. Be solution driven. There you go. One with that. We'll see you guys next Tuesday at seven. Bye.